Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Wes and Walker Show. I've got another restaurant we haven't talked about, too. Let me just throw out a little sagebrush for you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It's Wes. Sagebrush. They used to be in Winston, too. Shout out to Cactus Jacks in uh, Winston-Salem. And Walker. What makes me laugh is Fitty being so seduced by some of these restaurants. Right. Let me throw Sagebrush. Oh, my God. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Throw the peanuts. Yes, Walker. Sagebrush. Yeah. Clock on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I promise we'll only reference the Mark Henry interview a couple more times, but I <laughs> needed to do it for this text message because 850 wrote this text in. Damn, I didn't hear all the convo, but when Wes was talking about taking a bump with our truth, I was like, damn, they just saying what drugs they do all on air. <laughs> chair now i got it yes yes that's what taking a bump means in wrestling (laughs) anything you do to fall that's called taking a bump well especially with the story that our truth tells at the beginning of his interview the first time he joined yes you could use context and 850 i could understand why wait hold up at least for five seconds worth of time think wes Oh, don't say that. That is that funny. That is bad. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, was the, I was like, you know what? That that phrasing does sound wrong. No, no bumps but being I know taken here at no. all, buddy. No. None. Yeah, yeah spread the word, okay? <laughs> Wes and Walker, we're clean, too. That's right, baby. Just like Mark Henry. There. We're all clean. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know how clean Fitty is. Actually, I don't know. Yeah. yeah what? I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> what a great intro. I don't know how clean Fitty is. You think I'm what? dirty? Not drugs-wise, we don't think you're dirty at all, but as far as a person, you can get a bit sleazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ready to go. That's why we did Three Kings, baby. The chemistry. All right. Sleazy Fitty with the live wire. (laughs) Now. Live wires on the team. Connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. Dirty Fitty here on the ones and twos, taking you through another edition of the Live Wire. I like Dirty Fitty. Yeah, Dirty Fitty. I is. do too. You kind of like it too, don't you? Yeah, it's yeah I know you do. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, it's a good wrestling name too, Dirty Fitty. As you know, North Carolina Sports Hall of Famer Steve Smith joins the Kyle Bailey Show every Monday, and he was on with KB yesterday, and he talked about how much different the Panthers offense looks with new old offensive coordinator Thomas Brown. That's accurate because Frank Wright's offense is not built on RPO game. Tell me a time where RPO game has been implemented in Frank's Wright offense <clears throat> and that's when you know. He, he That's not who he is. That's never who he, he's been. Um, you know, because part of it is you know, his age. He's an old head and with that being an old head, he doesn't, you know, he his offense has never been that. They haven't been that, and 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 that's one of the reasons that you know he ran into some issues here when he when he was a, a, a the offense coordinator and the head coach. Uh, did y'all watch Sunday Night Football with the volume on the other night just just by chance? I did. 
I think I did. Is there something you're referencing? Well, because they were talking about the RPO game that you were seeing used by Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. And Chris Collinsworth said that Frank Reich was one of the more innovative guys in the RPO passing game when he was with Philadelphia, guiding that offense to the Super Bowl. And then Steve Smith come back and says that was never a part of his offense because of the era of offensive football that he grew up playing in and coaching in. So I guess Chris Collinsworth was lying on national TV, which, you know, when you have to rely on pro football focus for all your analysis, we shouldn't be too uh, surprised <laughs> by that. But have you guys noticed any big differences since Thomas Brown has cemented himself as the play caller since Reich's firing? Well, one thing I will say was that Sunday was some of the plays because, like, for instance, one of the first Take Tuesday plays that I was going to, a second Take Tuesday plays that I was going to bring into the fold was uh, when they did the fake handoff uh, coming on the sweep, I believe it was, and then they threw it underneath to Miles Sanders. Like, there were four or five plays where they definitely instituted some not-so-run-of-the-mill play action. And so I think that Thomas Brown was definitely uh, just empty in the clip, so to speak, on Sunday. And I, and I did like that. Well, and, and I go back to, I think it was Kyle talking about this, how there were suggestions to Frank Reich about running more RPO because it was what Bryce Young was comfortable with in college. But also, like, I feel like we did see it every now and then. And then even Steven Ruiz, before we got to the month of December and Thomas Brown took over again as the offensive play caller, the Panthers had called 86 RPOs, according to PFF, and that ranked 13th in the league. So it doesn't mean that Frank Reich just wasn't doing it at all. Perhaps there was a suggestion for him to continue to do it and maybe even more so. But even above average, if you want to get technical with it, with him having that at the 13th best clip or the 13th highest clip in the NFL. And we do know about Philadelphia. How, how many times did we talk about RPO when it was Carson Wentz mm -hmm. up there when Frank Reich was a part of that offense? It just didn't happen as much as maybe David Tepper, whoever wanted Bryce Young to be a little more comfortable. I guess that was the issue. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I guess Thomas Brown is being a little more innovative. I think we are seeing Bryce under center more. We are seeing Amir Smith-Marset on the field more. We are seeing different things, and I do like that. The, the RPO stuff... I feel like that kind of – I don't know if that got stretched way too much as the ultimate problem with what Frank Reich was and wasn't doing here mm -hmm. because it certainly was still a part of the game plan. Maybe it just wasn't as much as other people would have liked. And the last thing I'll say really quickly, is too, is some of those innovations that, that, that you're bringing in, we talked about it earlier talking about ISM, that helps the offensive line. Because guys, like I said, they have to take that that split second to really make decisions when you're bringing a lot to them visually. And so that's why I said I, I really like some of the things that Thomas Brown did on Sunday. Hey, uh, Davey, you need to implement that run RPO into the offense, okay? And I think that that's means, how he would say it, too, uh, the run RPO, yeah. Run, pass, option, okay? Okay. <laughs> I think that would have gone over well. Maybe that's when Frank Reich says no, and then he said, all right, you're fired. <laughs> one <That was> more <laughs> one more piece of Steve Smith's sound I want to play from you with his interview yesterday with KB. He made the case for uh, Jero Averro to be the defensive coordinator next year, no matter who Dave Tepper hires that head coach. I hope he is not making himself a case for a head coach anywhere because I think allow him to stay with whatever head coach that comes in because imagine how better he will be with some more guys that 
he prefers that plays in that style of traditional 3-4, not hybrid 3-4 defense that he plays. Get some depth at corner. That guys who, in case the other guys go down, I don't know what they're going to do with safety. You don't, not sure what they're going to do with Chen. What happens if they get another pass rusher that can be with Burns? I guess the question here, uh, guys, is is would, do you think a Jero Vera would stay on as a defensive coordinator if he gets passed over for the head coaching vacancy? Yeah, I think so because I think he understands that it's not quite his time. I don't think – I think he would go to another team if he got offered to be the head coach, but I think he also knows, like, it's hard to hire a head coach from a losing program. Like, you really need to have – all of the, the the glitz and glamour behind you when you come, but I agree with Smitty as far as he's done a great job, and this team barely gets sacks. They rank near the bottom of the league in sacks per game. They're only averaging like one, and once he gets the passwords to go with this, where they're getting home on a consistent basis and are putting the quarterback on the ground with the ball in his hands on a consistent basis, I mean, that's impressive to have a top three total defense and you don't get sacked. This actually becomes pretty complicated for me because this entire messaging, especially post-athletic article from Joe Person and Diana Rossini, is all, I don't want David Tepper to control who the head coach is going to hire a part of their staff. Because if that's the message from David Tepper the first time, it's why it didn't go so well. In part, it's why it didn't go so well with Frank Reich as the head coach. But if he was strongly suggesting that Ajero Avero be the defensive coordinator, David Tepper got that decision right. If Avero is that guy, if he decided to throw all the money that he did towards the defensive coordinator in order to keep him away from Minnesota, keep him away from other job openings out there because he was coveted. And David Tepper threw him the bag, kept him here. I guess when we try to say something nice, that could have been a draft pick yesterday. We could have drafted David Tepper making the right choice and strongly advising Avero to be the defensive coordinator. I also don't want, just as a general rule, for David Tepper to suggest to the head coach, this is who I want, and this is who you have to hire if you're going to be the head coach. Does Avero want this job? That's a different question. You said you think he would take it. I don't know. I, I think Avero might just leave after this season because there's still a lot of things you got to take care of. What does the Brian Burns situation look like? Now you got to allocate resources to keep Derek Brown, keep Frankie Louvu. You're hoping to bring Shaq Thompson back, but Shaq Thompson is also older within this team. J.C. Horn is also unavailable a lot of the time. I'm hoping that he can stave off injury going forward. And the only thing I think for me that would keep him aboard is you still are under this contract. And so you're still getting paid quite a bit of money. So maybe that would be the reason that he stays. We know that money talks and it at least gives you an opportunity. But he's so coveted. Wes, this is somebody that was in a lot of circles last year as potentially being a head coach. Maybe this is the time with as many openings as we've seen in a while. Maybe this is the time he actually leaves. I think that all makes it very complicated for me to try to figure out if he would want to stay here. If I want Tepper to force the head coach's hand in keeping him around, even if he has a different philosophy, it's all hard for me to make sense but i will say avero clearly has done a really good job and you can't be mad at him staying on board another year for a defensive coordinator spot yeah no i agree with you 100 percent. all right guys well the bowl season is well underway that means these head coaches will be back behind the microphone and chip kelly uh took his 
pre-bowl game availability to go on a long monologue about how to fix college football. And he believes that amid conference realignment, football conferences should be separate from the other conferences from other sports. I think football should be separate from the other sports. Just the fact that our school is leaving to go to the Big Ten in football, our, our softball team should be playing Arizona in softball. Our basketball team should be playing Arizona in basketball. But because football left, and they're saying, well, how do you do that? Well, Notre Dame's independent in football, and they're in a conference and everything else. I think we should all be independent in football. And you can have a 64-team conference that's in the Power Five, and you can have a 64-team conference in the Group of Five. And we separate it, and we play each other. You can have the West Coast teams, and then every year we play seven games against the West Coast teams, and then we play the East. So we play Syracuse, Boston College, Pitt, West Virginia, Virginia. Then the next year you play against the South while you still play your seven teams. You can play a seven-game schedule. You can play four against another conference, another division opponent, and you can always play against one Mountain West team every year so that we can still keep those rivalries going. Wes, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of different theories, plans, ways to save college football amid all the realignment that we're seeing um, in the sport. What do you think of that plan? Is it feasible, and is it something that as a college football junkie would you be open and interested to if the sport went down that path? Yes, sir, all day long. I think Chip Kelly hit it out the park uh, with this plan, having these conferences and then playing against the different regions and things of that nature. And then he went on to say how you could have a different company sponsor at Nike or whoever you want to do, PlayStation, whatever the case may be. Then he said the schools could pay the players directly. You get rid of NIL. You could figure out a, a better transfer portal model. And I think my thing is at the end of the day, I you said, Fitty, with junkies for this sport. I want great games week in and week out. And I think that's what we would get. A 64-team Power 5 conference, you're getting phenomenal matchups every single week. I would be like you, Fitty. I wouldn't leave the house during college football season. We get that. <laughs> I mean, from noon till 3 what in the morning, I would be sitting right in front of my TV and, and doing my workouts or whatever I'm going to do that Saturday. I'm not leaving. I'd be like Jordan Belfort and Wolf of Wall Street. I ain't leaving on Saturdays. You can forget about it. Yeah, so I'm reading an article where Dan Wetzel and Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports are going back and forth, kind of talking about this idea. And the problem is that you could have a 64-team conference. That's the Power Five. You could have a 64-team conference where the group of five there, and then you separate it. They still play each other to different television contracts. Everybody shares an equal amount of the revenue. But this idea, you would have to try to tailor what it would mean financially as to not be in violation of federal law. And so if you did that, then that would be something like if you were to try to get this idea going forward, that would be something you have to try to figure out. But it does sound good in theory. I guess the only other thing is uh, I know that he talked about preserving the rivalries. Yeah. W would you still preserve? Like, how much do you care about North Carolina playing Pittsburgh? How much do you care about North Carolina playing Syracuse? Or some of the other ACC schools that you wouldn't consider a rivalry. I mean, how big of a rivalry do you consider Clemson? Because Clemson is an old school ACC squad. They're mm -hmm. a, they're an OG type member. Mm -hmm. But also, I don't. I wouldn't consider Clemson what like the top three, four rivalry that the North Carolina Tar Heels have. How much do you care about that though? 
And would you still be able to do it? That would be my only thing with other some of these other schools. Like in, that would be my only question. How much would you still be able to preserve maybe the smaller rivalries? And how much do we even care? Is it even worth trying to preserve those? That would be my only question. I would guess you would probably leave it up to the ADs when they schedule to make sure that they take care of that on their respective schedules. And then how much of that would eat into your own conference, though, if football conferences were... Like, I just need to figure out what kind of divide you would have. But it does sound like a good idea in theory, especially with him bringing that up. You got anything else for us, Betty? No, I think it's just another example. College football's gotten to a point now. It needs it needs a commissioner. It, 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 or it needs a group of body that's not the playoff and is not Fox, CBS, ESPN making decisions that impact what actually happens on the field as opposed to what happens off of it. That was a college football discussion. Let's go to the professional ranks. Go back and talk a little more about the Carolina Panthers. We didn't get to it earlier. We were too busy, well, having fun talking about our interview with Mark Henry that you can catch on WFNZ.com. I want to go over some of the potential retread hires that you might like to see as Carolina's next head coach. And we can also talk about underrated positions the Panthers need help with. Text us, 704-570-9610. It's the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say... They're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. search for a new head coach for the Carolina Panthers continues and we are trying to find whether it be a coordinator maybe a retread hire Wes it looks like there might be some bigger names as retreads we already know about Bill Belichick we already know that that has been a part of the conversation for a while but there are a couple of other names that maybe would interest you as a Panther fan because we know that we're kind of begging for a good coach right now and you know what they say about beggars they can't be choosers they cannot. And so Bill Belichick, despite me not really wanting him, he would certainly be better than the other coaches that they've had in the last couple of hiring cycles. And maybe same thing with some of these other guys. I saw on Get Up Today, after falling to 500 over the weekend, whether Mike Tomlin was on the hot seat. I feel like Mike Tomlin, if he was available, I would absolutely bring him in immediately and be happy with him as my next head coach. I would agree with you as well. Uh, Fiddy and I's guy, Scott Farrell, talked about this today. He's a diehard Steelers fan. He said he thinks it's over and that he should be gone after this season. So there's a good chance that he could be available. And I do think, you know, there's a chance you talk about coaches and voices getting stale in the locker room and things of that nature. But I think he would be a welcome addition here. I remember back in the day, the Bill Cowell conversation used to happen all the time when he was available when Carolina was looking for a coach. So maybe they could get this Steelers coach 
if he is indeed let go by that franchise. You have to remember, though, the last time that Mike Tomlin's job security came into question, guess who was leading the charge from the minority ownership to fire him? Is that right? Was he leading the charge on that? I had forgotten about that. David Tepper was one of the voices in the organization uh. that wanted to move on from Mike at in Pittsburgh at that time. There's no way, though, that like if Mike Tom's available, how do you say no to him? Yeah, he's the model of which he's what you said you want. 20 years of consistent winning. The guy doesn't lose. Like they're going to win eight, nine games, bare minimum every year, bare minimum. Yeah. And And he would have a quarterback here. Unlike, you know, what he's got in his Pittsburgh situation right now. But I don't know, man, he might not be able to get past that with uh temper wanting him out of there once upon a time. Yeah, and so I'm looking at this. This was an article in 2018, and this was written by Jacob Klinger, referencing a source from Pro Football Talk saying that some Steelers' limited partners want Art Rooney Rooney to fire head coach Mike Tomlin. Pro Football uh, Talk, citing a source with direct knowledge of the situation, reported that the minority owners planning to lobby Rooney to fire Tomlin come from a group that includes Rob Citrone. Sorry if I butcher any of these names, but David Tepper is within that group. Now, there were a lot of people in this group, but David Tepper was certainly among them. And I think the timing is as interesting as the person because it's David Tepper. And when did David Tepper buy the team here in Carolina? It was 2018. So here you have him going into, what was it, like a six-year now owning the franchise? I think the timing is as interesting as him being there, but it's a good point, something that we certainly should note. Maybe Mike Tomlin wouldn't even take this job. With Fitty, like that I said, that was a good point, and so he dabbed real dramatically like I, I think he got whiplash wow, for how still hard. keeping the dab going. That's a dance I feel like he enjoys because he's been doing it since we started this show. He likes a loose chest pound, and he does a double dab. And sometimes it goes real hard to the point where it looks like he breaks his neck. Those are some of the dancing moves that he has behind the ones and twos. Here's another one. I got a couple more retreads for you. What about Robert Sala? Because Robert Sala, Dan Graziano said earlier today that he could be more on the hot seat than people realize. And that would make sense to me. This season has gone terribly wrong. It's not his fault that Aaron Rodgers got hurt at the very beginning of the season on the first drive of the season. But even so, that defense has performed real well all year long. But I think part of the problem is the way that Zach Wilson has been handled, not going after a quarterback. And it feels like when you look at that organization, the question who in charge comes to mind. Is it the GM? Is it the owner? Does Robert Sala really have a solid handle on what his responsibilities are? And how well would that go if we still don't know who's in charge here with Carolina? Like, we know who it is here, and it's David Tepper. So would you want Robert Sala to come in if you need a strong voice to step up to that guy? And it hasn't really gone well with the Jets organization. Wes, how interested would you be in Sala? Fitty, cue to sound. Cue your favorite one. All right, well, it's going to take a little bit of a second, but it's going to be coming. As no, time. hell no. Yeah, not a chance. I don't want Sala. I mean, he was once... 49ers defensive coordinator, but not at all. I like coaches with winning pedigree. I like coaches that come from winning programs. And regardless of the circumstances that he fell into, whether it was Aaron Rodgers' injury or whatever the case may be, he stuck with Zach Wilson way too long. I'm just not a fan of Salah, especially seeing more of the ins and outs of how he goes every single day. I think for a defensive coordinator, no question about it. If you lost Ezra Evero, 
and then he became available on the market. Then I think you spared no expense to go get him as a defensive coordinator, but as a head coach, absolutely not, not feeling it. You know, as someone that listens to a radio show that he joins every Monday, he'll bring accountability in a way that maybe Frank Reich and Matt Rule failed to do publicly. But you're talking about a guy that had his team turn their their back on Zach Wilson last last year. Like he showed up to a press conference wearing a Mike bleeping white T-shirt while while alienating their number two overall draft pick. You just don't want that kind of drama. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. And I think in the right situation, he can be a really good head coach. I just don't think that situation's here in Carolina with a meddling owner like Dave Tepper. Yeah, well, I'll say the the Mike White thing, I don't have an issue with that. He's supporting his guy and all of that. So I don't think he was alienating Zach Wilson, and I think he's shown that by, like I said, sticking with him for way too long this season and supporting him when it was clear guys in that locker room were not happy about what was going on with Wilson's play. The problem is, is it Robert Sala on at his uh, support or is it the GMs who just decided not to go trade for anybody else? It I was mean, Aaron Rodgers. This is true, but... And Aaron Rodgers as well, who Robert Sala can't trade. Like, that's, that's my question. And if you're put in that situation and you're Sala then you have to defend Zach Wilson if he's going to be on the squad because you talk about a mess if you don't. <laughs> that would be a real problem if you're like, no, nah, I don't even like this guy. It's the GM that wants me to play him, and so does the owner. Yeah, but it was just times that it was clear that they probably should have benched him even for just for the greater good of that accountability that you talk about. And regardless of how things turned out or what the GM did or didn't do, it still got to fall at his feet. I know some people like to give coaches second chances, but I just don't think coming in the situation the Panthers are coming from, that's moving the needle, bringing in a losing head coach. I, I just don't think that that looks good. All right, so I brought up Mike Tomlin, Robert Sala, and let's go back to Bill Belichick. Of those three, I do have another name I want to bring up here, but of Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, and Robert Sala, what would be your number one candidate if it just came down to those three? What would it be for you, Wes? Belichick, Tomlin, Sala? Yeah. If I had to rank them, I'd go, oh, man, this is tough. Tomlin, one, Belichick, two, solid three. It feels weird because I feel like Tomlin would be my answer as well. But then you start to compare him to Bill Belichick. I mean, yeah, that's what I said. That you know what I'm saying? Like, GM but I'm with you, though. I feel yeah. I feel the uh, same way. Yeah. It, it's the fact that Mike Tomlin, while he hasn't reached the same heights as Bill Belichick, he also didn't have Tom Brady. He also had Big Ben. But he also hasn't fallen below 500 such as Bill Belichick has without a great QB. The biggest difference here is that you don't have to give Mike Tomlin personnel control. You probably do with Bill Belichick. And I think that's the biggest argument and separator between the two. If it wasn't for the GM that you would bring over, then Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, it's hard to go with, hey, well, he hadn't had a season below 500. Okay, but this one... This other coach, he did have a lot of seasons over 500 and a lot of Super Bowl rings. And so it would be tough, but I think Mike Tomlin would be number one for me as well. You going Bill Belichick, Fitty? <laughs> yeah, man, I got six Super Bowl rings, coached in 10 Super Bowls. Yeah, <laughs> had a couple of losing seasons, but come on, man. We're on Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> he said, come on, man, we're on to Cincinnati. All right, I would go Mike Tomlin. And uh, yeah, I, I, just feel, I feel frustrated for Sala because of the – what a circus it turned into. Hard knocks. Aaron Rodgers infomercial. Now Aaron Rodgers, by the way, is saying that he can't be 100% clear despite milking the storyline of him possibly. never right, knew right. that that was going to end up being the case at the end of the day. Walker, I know you brought this up the other day. I watched a hard knocks clip of Mike McDaniel, the in-season hard knocks. 
between him and Robert Sala, which one forces cussing more? See, I think it's more. I think it's more natural, and I know I disagree with both of you here. Uh-huh. I think it's way more natural with Mike than it is with Robert. Yeah, I, see, I agree. Okay, I thought you might disagree on that. I think with Mike, I actually think he, this is just how he talks. <laughs> and I've seen him in interviews. Maybe I just have the added experience of hearing him in interviews where it wasn't FCC regulated, and so he could curse as much as he wanted to, and he did. But that I feel like it's much more natural with Robert Sala. Like, even the defensive coordinator for the Jets, it felt like that was just a natural part of his vernacular. With Robert Sala, it felt like he was pushing it during some of the team meetings where he really emphasized the F word and let you know, hey, we're saying it here because we're men. Well, that kind of plays into my point is that Sala, you know, he's. He's got a build to him, you know, a little bit of muscle. Looks like oh, a he big, looks like a football tough guy. guy. Yeah, so you would expect him to kind of talk like that a little bit more. Where Coach Logic, I mean Coach McDaniel, because yeah. he looks just like Logic. You're, you're not wrong, and I do love Logic as a rapper. Okay, but he looks just like him. But to me, I feel like he kind of does it so that he can fit in with the guys because they already look at him as kind of this nerdy, soft guy. So he's got to talk a little tough to get some credibility but he talks with about his players. How, I would say he he actively plays defense on that notion, though. Like, he tells you that he's not some hardcore football guy. He plays into the I'm a huge nerd role. He just cusses all he the does, time. He does. He does. He does. Yeah, so, but, yeah. And plus, by the way, I would take Mike McDaniel right now 10 times out of 10. I bet. Would love to get some Mike McDaniel. Sneaker game is A+. Plus. Greatest yeah, is. sneaker game in the history of the NFL. What about the pants game? I'll see that. See... I'm, what you think? You I'm got, all right with that because I'm all for takes. comfortability when you're working. So I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I like it a lot. It seems like Fitty has some real big uh, Mike McDaniel Fitty wants him over there in a shirt and tie and loafers. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, as <laughs> for, for, you know, from the pro, the professionalism standpoint, I don't know if I want my head football coach walking around, you know, in forced high waters. You know what I'm saying? But at he it looks good on him, mm-hmm. so you know he doesn't look like a buffoon. I think you could pull that off all day, Fitty. Oh no, no, no! Oh, you could you oh, could pull no, that off my, with your Jordan game and then wearing one of those suits with the. I don't know if I'd call them capris, but my, I think you could pull that off all day. My thighs and legs are just too big. Like I mean, I've got fat thighs. It the, those pants can work. Fitty, with thighs. your legs aren't that big, man. Like. Um, I saw we we saw a picture of Mike McDaniel. Was me and my girlfriend were looking at whatever and saw Mike McDaniel as a Washington assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Lost a lot of weight. Yeah, he wasn't even huge at Washington. You could just tell how skinny he is now. Like he looked, I would say, normal, and now he's just really skinny in Miami. Did you see the kid that dressed up as him for Halloween? I know that it, viral it, video. It is one of those guys that you can you can easily identify what the costume is. Yeah. I would like to see Fiddy in those. By the way, the last thing I want to point out before we move on to the other coaching candidate I have, Fiddy is talking about attire as it pertains to professionalism, and I just want you to let the people know what kind of pants you have on right now. <laughs> I've got on golf shorts. No, you don't have golf shorts on. Yes, I do. I thought you had gym shorts. No, I have on golf shorts. But you, you have- do wear gym shorts a lot. I, I, I do wear you know gym shorts about four times a week. <laughs> that's true but he wants you to act it, it, that's okay i work in radio though I'm, i don't work in the public eye like a head football coach you're going to be behind the podium four times a week so what would you wear if you were an nfl coach i would always like whenever i would create my coach on madden or on ncaa i would put him i was a sweater vest guy 
So, oh, yeah, I could see Fitty. He was just talking about finding those <laughs> he on really T-Mobile. Dude, dude, I got like 17 of them I want to buy, so damn you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at good prices, you could probably get 17 for $20 on that site. <laughs> yeah, he did say he did say that he wanted to wear a suit. So you just want everybody to be Mike Nolan out here wearing a suit on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's something that me and Colin really bonded over because to me it's even worse than basketball. When you got coaches out here coaching in rain jackets, it's like I can't take you seriously. I'm not going to box out if I can hear you walking a mile down the hallway. Yeah, can you imagine Fitty coaching down in Miami wearing a sweater vest, just sweating everywhere mm-hmm. by the end of the game? Done. This whole <laughs> thing just been a different shade of color because he sweat through the sweater vest. I mean, you're, I am dirty Fitty. Yeah. You would just have rosy cheeks sweating all the time. Cussing. You'd be sweating, hot. Rosy cheeks Cussing, constantly. Going to eat six pop tarts and Be- between hypertension. <laughs> <laughs> between between every question that's asked in a media scrum, it gets a little high because all the people and every question he has to wipe the sweat from his forehead. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dew can you repeat that? Thing. Yeah, yeah, Mountain Dew for sure. <laughs> I just we just created Fitty as a coach. We did. We just went to Madden and created what our Fitty coach, coach needs to look like. And you would get a rant from him at least once a week. You the would. press would be just, he'd get press coming from all over to hear his presses <laughs> because they know that they're going to get something that they won't get anywhere else. Being professional. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Fiddy is. Here's the last one. Perhaps his job is being saved as we speak because they have won a couple of games in a row and they've been against good opponents. What about bringing Sean McDermott back home? The thing is, it feels like there are people that wouldn't want Sean McDermott to return I don't know if there's going to be a vacancy there anymore because who was it? They beat Kansas City and they just destroyed Dallas. Those are the last two wins, big wins to help resurrect their playoff chances. I mean, all the models were pointing to the point where they might not even make the postseason. And now after two monster wins. Oh, yeah. Everybody's talking about them as if they're the most dangerous yep. team on the planet. Now. Yep. So, yeah. So all that to be said here. I'm not buying it either. Fitty. Well, OK. So let's say they get bounced immediately. And maybe it's a bad enough loss that Sean McDermott doesn't retain that job. If you're a Carolina fan, would you want Sean McDermott to come back and coach the Panthers that he was once the defensive coordinator of? No, I wouldn't. I would rather go with a candidate like the Ben Johnsons or somebody that's on the come up that needs to uh, to get that first shot. Because I just feel like with him, he's had a lot of talent. Like the Bills, in my opinion, are perennial chokers. And a lot of that has to do with Josh Allen and his propensity to turn the football over in the postseason. But also, too, just the lack of running game that they had while he was there, lack of commitment to run the football when he was there. It's changing now, though. It's changing a little bit, for sure. Um, and we'll see how much that that continues on. But, nah, I just feel like in too many big spots, Buffalo was supposed I mean, they've, they've been a Super Bowl favorite the last three seasons and have choked each and every year. So, nah, I'm good on McDermott. What about Sean McDermott for you? I know both of you are very similar when it comes to your thoughts on the Bills, but would you welcome Sean McDermott to be, I don't know, I I say culture builder, but the discourse around Sean McDermott has changed since his 9-11 reference. I wonder how much. And so maybe culture oh, isn't the right word to bring what that they said in. he was saying about Cam. That's right. That's right. I do wonder if if, if he becomes available, how much that's going to play a role if, if, if he seeks to be a head coach. I don't know how you deny the track record, though. Like, he took Buffalo. That was a perennial loser. They're a playoff team. They've made it an AFC championship game. He feels kind of like what Ron Rivera was at the time when Carolina hired him. A guy that maybe you just need to come in here and establish some sort of winning culture, but 
I don't know how those 9-11 comments are going to play moving forward if he does have to go through another interview cycle. I do think people are just going to move on from it kind of like they've already done. And as long as they win, it's not going to be something that doesn't get him a job moving forward. But you mentioned how he was helping turn that organization around, getting to the postseason. There are people on the text line that are saying, hey, I'll take McDermott if he brings Brandon Bean with him. That's the kicker. I want him here more than I want Sean McDermott here. And so the thing about Brandon Bean, too, though, is that the draft history recently actually hasn't been all that good. That's what I was just about to say as well. I mean, their defense, how many true difference makers can you name off that defense that they've had? I mean, and even offensively, they've got Stephon Diggs, and they've got some other guys that are good players. Like, don't get me wrong there, but... Well, you talk about the two difference makers that they've drafted. I mean, you're talking Josh Allen. They traded for Stephon Diggs. James Cook looks like he's about to be a hit. But defensively, I mean, they missed on a lot of guys. Ed Oliver, now I do like uh, my boy from Miami. Uh, I forget his – oh, God, Greg. Russo. Yeah, Greg Russo. Yeah, but they missed on Boogie Basham, the guy that they took from Wake Forest. Ed Oliver's been decent. I like Ed Oliver, yeah. But, yeah. And that's, but that's even a while back. That, that's yeah. what's crazy is he's been there a while now, and you're talking about 2019. That's when they used their first-round pick on Ed Oliver. You go to 2020, it's A.J. Epinesa, Zach Moss, Gabe Davis. You go to 2021, there's Russo, same class as Boogie Basham. And then 2022, James Cook, a bunch of misses. 2023, Dalton Kincaid is doing an excellent job so far, but... How many other guys do you believe in Osiris Torrance? Maybe like it just it hasn't been yeah, Matt amazing. Matt Milano's been really good. Yeah, so I would still take Brandon Bean as my GM because of what you. This is Better the thing. Than Federer. To, oh yeah. <laughs> well, and like every GM is going to have maybe even streaks of bad years, unless you are Hall of Fame GM yeah. worthy. And so maybe this just is just a down period where you're not able to get as much talent, but also. You know, he did get the quarterback decision right. I know Josh Allen will turn the ball over, but he's still playing some pretty high-level football right now. And Oh, I still consider yeah, him an elite quarterback. Yeah, right. So even if we'd have our postseason problems, and that's what comes with the title as a great QB, you know, okay, you've dominated the regular season. What can you do in the postseason? That's what every QB is judged by. But you've still done an excellent job building this team that had been a long time in a playoff drought. He's still done a great job of bringing them to the tops of the AFC and even resurrecting that when we thought they were going down. And look, we all know how much Dave Tepper values keeping, you know, people, you know, that, that have been within the organization around. Like, Bean was a guy that his first job with the Panthers as an intern was picking up players at the airport. And he, he literally worked his way up from the bottom to, what was he, the assistant GM before he eventually left to be the GM in Buffalo? Yeah. So I think bringing that type of guy back from a PR perspective would, 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 would be a good move for Dave Tepper's view as the owner. Well, that's what's tough. I think as I start to, you know, we start to bring this full circle, Panthers fans have seen too many guys leave this organization and have success elsewhere. Yep. It's happened too many times, whether it be with a coach, assistant coach, players. They've been going elsewhere to experience success. Brandon Bean was here and then he left and built Buffalo into a team that you feel good about being atop their conference every single season the last three, four, five years. Steve Wilkes leaves last season and he's now running the defense for San Francisco where, yeah, there might have been some problems that Lord knows Kyle Shanahan was going to tell you about that play against Minnesota as to why, yeah, we had to talk with Steve Wilkes about it. They just kept talking about it, but he was 6-6 six and six here, and now he's having success elsewhere afterwards. We've seen Christian McCaffrey doing the same thing. 
DJ Moore gets traded. Look at him. Every time Justin Fields plays, DJ Moore goes off. That's how it feels. Watching it start with Brandon Bean leave this organization, I think fans are just tired of seeing these guys go elsewhere and have some fun. Should the Niners have a retroactive championship parade in Charlotte if they win the Super Bowl? There are a few teams that should have retroactive like <laughs> achievements. You know, we've we've called the Buffalo Bills Buffalo North long enough. Yeah. Seen that joke way too many times. Even Washington, they haven't experienced any success, but they've been mediocre up until this year. And so maybe a parade of mediocrity. <laughs> maybe that's what maybe that's what Bone and Mac can put out there when they're doing their one car parade they talked about yesterday. It can be the parade of mediocrity. All right, Weston Walker, one more segment to go. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Wrapping up on Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Got a couple of texts on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line to close this out. Nada wrote in, friend of the show, Nada Edwards, What's on that? Twitter, what did he have this at Nada the Scribe. He said, to defend Fitty, radio attire is just one step above college frat wear. Fitty <laughs> cooks. So it's cool. Yeah, Play it. That's a good sound. Let Fitty cook. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't play that more, to be honest yeah, with you. I'm, yeah, I didn't even know we had that. We do, yeah. Nada, I don't know. I don't know why Nada, Nada for some reason defends you a lot. And he, that's he your guy. He's a master manipulator. Yeah. It's like he's got my mom, he's got Nada. Yeah, no, I don't get it, man. You know, Nada, if you're listening, I, I don't, like, I did not feel like you would be the guy that would fall for Fitty's antics, but yet he's got you wrapped Around his finger. I mean, what are the antics? I mean, there's a lot of me and Nada, or a lot, there's a lot of Nada and me, or a lot of me and Nada, where we're both, uh, you know, we got great takes. We okay. both love basketball. We both like to spice it up, and uh, <laughs> we just like to make good radio, man. You should, uh, you should take some notes from me and Nada. My producer holds me back. Oh. <laughs> You're going to come at me for saying I should take notes for making good radio. I have a great comeback. And he's like, whoa, hold on. That's Fitty, though. That is Fitty in a nutshell. That's Fitty Cook. That's Fitty in a nutshell. Get out of here, Nada. I'm not letting Fitty cook, okay? I'm cooking Fitty. Well, I mean, I've I've been trying to tell Westus after last week, you've just been different, man. I know you had to work with me four straight days. You didn't have Wes here. But, I, I mean, since Friday, your attitude towards me, it's – I've been getting the cold shoulder feel. And I, I'm, not, I'm not here for it with it being the holidays, 
about to be gone for a week. Look at him, man. He is just want to soak up as much time with Walker, and you just want nothing to do with Fitty. <laughs> Did his best friend not come in here earlier and just say Fitty having four shows last week was the worst thing that could ever happen to yep. him? The he, man who knows him the best. The ego. Yep. It's soaring right now. I'm egoless, man. That's what that's what makes me dynamic. We are the <laughs> ego is so high. We are a dot to his ego. It can barely see us. Yeah, <laughs> me, you, and Flounder. You know, we see through the nonsense, but he has a way of he tries manipulating the masses. Mm -hmm. Um, I did want to read this text too because I think this could lead to a fun game. Beer man in Belmont, great name, says if there's any coach whose style looks like it matches the city they coach in. It's definitely Mike McDaniel in Miami. I would agree with that, especially the shade game with the kicks and all that. That is very Miami. All right, so let's let's play this game. Okay. Let's try to figure out what coaches embody their city the most. Okay. Because Mike McDaniel is the one that should come first to mind. Mike Tomlin feels Pittsburghy now. He does. Perhaps that's just because he's been there since 2007, and that's crazy. I was just getting into high school. That's how long ago Mike Tomlin took over. I would say uh, D'Amico Ryans with Houston is a good match. You like that? Okay. I think it's a good match. Okay, yeah. D'Amico Ryans being there. I'm trying to figure out some of the other guys here. I don't know, man. I'm trying to figure it out. Sean McVay LA is pretty good. Yeah, because yes. he's a very handsome Damn. man. <laughs> he's got great hair. He does. Pete Carroll, Seattle, I think is a You know fit. what? That's a great point. Yeah, hippie kind of oh. Type of stuff yep. with Seattle the way it is, coffee. I'm glad you brought him up because run. after last night's game, Drew Locke, incredible throw. How about Drew Locke beating Philadelphia on Monday Night Football? And after the game, Pete Carroll is just, you know, shedding love on everybody, saying, oh, yeah, we love this guy. Everybody played a big old part, and he's got a backwards hat on. It's like one of the oldest coaches right. in the league. <laughs> in his 70s. I think you're right about Pete uh, Carroll. I'd go Day Bowl and New York Giants is a great fit. Dave looks like he's going to eat pizza, meatballs, subs, Pe pasta. People go with Sirianni. Does he scream Philly like yes, that? Yes, he does because he, he, he screams. You just don't like Philly and you don't like Sirianni. Yeah, because he screams chach. Okay. And that's all that guy is. I mean, now that he doesn't have Big Dom on the sidelines to protect his sorry ass, all of a sudden he quit complaining at the officiating last night. Yeah, Philly loud. Philly loud, in your face, brash. I could see that. Okay. I could see that because he's definitely that. And for the record, I can't stand him either. Uh, I know you can. Yeah. You you both have a very similar uh, oh, opinions um, on him. Campbell in Detroit. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Match made in heaven. That's the number one we got on the text line. Yeah, match made in heaven. He's great. Um, When McCarthy was in Green Bay, it was perfect because, you know, yeah. He feels more Texas to me. You know, no, because, you know, he just had the look of a guy, A, was overweight. So you would imagine that he ate a lot of cheese, drank a lot of beer. I imagine that people from Green Bay probably smell some type of way. He looked like a smelly guy. <laughs> he just looked like an ogre when he was in Green Bay. Uh, Antonio Pierce is dirty behind with uh, Las Vegas. <laughs> We know what he did, what what happened in uh, Arizona State. You know, then he gets up there talking about NWA and all that stuff. Perfect for Vegas. Perfect. <laughs> He's not going to get the job, but perfect for Vegas. Um, what about uh, Andy Reid in Kansas City? Because they're talking about, about the barbecue. That. I was thinking about that as well. That that was a thought that came to mind. Um, the problem is Andy Reid. I, I, that that idea would fit in other cities, though. I mean, what about Andy Reid in Texas if we're talking about barbecue yeah. or somewhere else? I'd fit here if you like dry brisket. Yeah, I don't know enough about Kansas City 
to really be able to put my finger on if he's a perfect match for them. All right, so now we're going to college because now people are saying Michigan and Jim Harbaugh are a perfect match with one another. So if you wanted to go to college, you know what? The, the one that immediately comes to mind, Brett Bielema at Wisconsin. That felt like a perfect match between aesthetic yes. and coach he and programming like the, the coach. He did. Dabo and Clemson. Dabo. Yeah, that, that's a perfect fit. But I feel like... I that feel like will, I feel like him coaching Alabama would be a bigger fit with well, who he is. Clemson being a small town, all that type of stuff. Dabo country, small town yeah. guy. I think they're a perfect fit together. No, they fit pretty well. What do we think about Mac Brown at North Carolina? I was just thinking about yeah, because he's he embraces all the swag that comes with it more so than even the Larry Fedora did. Yeah, more so than I guess any of the other coaches I can think of. Maybe it's because Mac Brown embraces the history, the city that is Chapel Hill, the town that is, you know, the college. Yeah, I was I trying to know, think Mac about Brown the fits. town at Hale Ho. I mean, yeah. Well, oh my God, excuse Chapel me. Chapel Hill, that no, town. It's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You said that Chapel town, Hill. Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> to see if it's a match like that, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He has look of an eight and four football coach that's gonna annually underachieve with talent. Because I think there's a difference between some coaches that are synonymous with the teams that they coach because they've been there for so long mm-hmm. and coaches oh. that are a match with the with the cities that they coach in. All right, 704 has the winner before we hand this thing off. Coach O at LSU. Yeah. Coach O at LSU, does it get any better than that? Coach Brendamore with the Canes, I think, is a, a good fit. Who? I'm still taking Coach O as the best fit that I've seen so far. I okay. like that one. 704 with the walk-off. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. We'll be back with you tomorrow Both from tigers. 12 to 3. <laughs> Keep it right here. Kyle Bailey taking over alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.